0: Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, I warmly welcome back Luna, who joins us to recount her two most recent birth experiences. Since our last conversation, Luna has traversed the heart-wrenching path of pregnancy loss, an experience that plunged her into the depths of grief while intricately weaving together the notions of birth and mortality, prompting profound contemplation. In the aftermath of this loss, Luna and her family embraced the time they needed for reflection and healing. A restorative journey to Uluru had them contemplating whether their family was now complete. This contemplation was met with a surprise when Luna discovered her pregnancy shortly thereafter. Guided by a strong belief in divine timing, they found roots on a particular piece of land that seemed to call them and their unborn child. Today, Luna shares her transformative journey interwoven with loss and renewal and reconnecting her with the sheer beauty of existence itself. Enjoy the episode. Luna, welcome back to Positive Birth Australia. So excited to have you back on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me back. I'm, I'm yeah, super honoured to be back here sharing um, about beautiful birth again with you.
0: Yeah, me too. Now, for anyone that doesn't know or hasn't listened to your previous episode, I will link that in the show notes. You feature in the first season of Positive Birth Australia, episode number 21. Um, for anyone that hasn't, heard your previous two birth stories could you just give us a little recap of those two birth stories and then we can basically pick up where we left off
1: awesome um yeah so I mean like I shared in the previous episode with you um I had a pretty traumatic experience in the medical system with Mm -hmm. our first son Atticus um you know I went into the birth feeling very empowered and prepared with what I wanted our birth to look like. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't turn out like that. Um, you know, we had a change in midwives last minute because I went, you know, over time as, or overdue, as I'd say. Um, and, yeah, I just felt like there was just like a cascade of things that just ended up making me doubt myself in my first experience of birth yeah. um, because of that and then, you know, just yeah interventions that ended up um getting us transferred from the birth center that we were in to hospital and then having um a vacuum extraction and episiotomy and you know having the cord cut in front of me when I had asked you know for it to be delayed cord clamping and just pretty much everything that I didn't want my birth to be mm. um and so it was a really big healing journey after that experience, you know, you go through those things of like, Oh, you know, my body failed me, like, what did I do wrong? I haven't given my baby the best start in the world. Um, you know, just all the self doubt that comes when you experience, you know yeah.
0: And and isn't it wild that we just blame ourselves once you experience something like that, you think it's your fault you were the one that was broken.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean I, I guess I, mean, I don't want to sound negative, but I think a lot of the time they want us to blame ourselves because yeah. they don't want the blame to go on the system. hundred um, percent. And, you know, and it keeps us, you know, disempowered and thinking that we need them mm. to birth our babies when, okay. you know, majority of the time we don't. Yeah.
0: And so that experience then pushed you to choose a different path for your second birth. Should we go through that journey now?
1: Yeah, so... Um, So, like, when my son was um, a year old, I got diagnosed with cervical cancer um, and I had um, a lot of my cervix removed and then we – and I went through a big healing journey with that. And then I think it was six weeks after the operation, we found out we were pregnant with our second baby, um, our daughter, Junie. And um, they were – and I was in the system because I was, like, you know – like, concerned about, you know, is my body going to be able to carry this pregnancy? But I had been through, you know, a lot of a lot of healing and mindset work in, in that time of, like, getting ready to have that operation and afterwards. And, um, you know, they suggested that I have my cervix stitched up and I go on hormone replacement because my body, they told me, your body won't hold this pregnancy. It's too close to surgery. You know, your cervix isn't strong enough, all of that sort of thing. And I was like, can we just wait and see? Um, can we just, you know, monitor and see what happens? Um, so yeah, I went for um, fortnightly scans for the first twenty weeks of that pregnancy, um, and every scan I went to, my cervix was getting, you know, longer and stronger and was holding the pregnancy. And you know, the doctors were kind of like, "Oh well, this is strange. You might need to go to a different, a different." Um, where they do the scans, Um, you know, a different one because that one must have messed up and, yeah, then every time it was perfectly, you know, getting bigger and stronger. And so I knew my body was healing and I knew that I could, you know, carry this pregnancy and, you know, I could have the birth that I wanted because I had done all that work and I could see, you know, I had that evidence of what was happening in my body.
0: Can I just quickly ask because we have had a couple of guests on that have had – you know, shortened cervix or compromised cervix. Um, And I know that rest is a really big thing when you are pregnant and you've got a compromised cervix in any way. Um, But I would love to hear what were some of the things that you found were really impactful for your healing um, during that recovery period?
1: I um, got very big into morning rituals, um, which is something I share a lot about online and like, you know, self care for ourselves as moms, because I had to have, you know, with a young toddler, I had to have that time to pour into myself and my mindset to like heal my body. So I would get up earlier in the mornings, so and my husband supported me in this every day. And I would like, you know, get in the zone, put my diffuser on, get my yoga mat out. I would stretch and move my body. I would journal everything that was. Um, you know coming up for me um, because I feel like a lot of disease in the body is actually emotional blockages so I was working through you know some past traumas throughout that time I was using breath work Um, I was using affirmations and like visualization of my cervix being like perfectly you know pink and round and healthy and strong and holding my baby um, you know safe and like using those words and like affirmations along those lines every single day and every t- any time I felt doubt I would you know close my eyes and breathe deeply and just be like no my body is healing my cervix is you know a perfect pink donut that's strong and hold- holding my my baby safe and um yeah and then you know that is what it what eventuated um so and then I would do like you know half an hour to an hour in the mornings of you know that those personal healing mod- modalities, and um, that's what really helped me through. And realize, like you know, we are limitless. Like we can heal ourselves and our bodies. And you know, it's literally your mind that holds you back. Yeah. From anything.
0: I love that so much. Okay, so your cervix was starting to heal. Let's go back to that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I and like I have since learned that you know your cervix does like slowly regenerate over time if you do have have surgery Mm -hmm. but it was like I think it was just the doctors were kind of like how is this happening so quickly Mm -hmm. while she's pregnant and holding you know a baby yeah
0: and shall we go through that pregnancy and birth
1: yeah so at 20 weeks because I you know I my husband said to me after our previous birth he was like we're not leaving home next time. Like we are staying home and we're birthing our baby at home. And I'm like, awesome. (laughs) I'm so glad you're on board with that because that's what we're doing. Like ever since we left home, it just went downhill from there. Um, So we had that, you know, we were prepared for that, you know, for any of our future children. Um, But then, you know, having had that um, surgery and stuff, you know, I was still having to be a part of the system, you know, to monitor it. Um, well, I chose to be, I didn't have to be, but I wanted to, you know, make sure that um, the pregnancy was going all good. And then at 20 weeks we were given the, um, you know, normal straightforward pregnancy, clear. And they were like, you know, it's, it's from now on, this is just a normal straightforward pregnancy. And I was like, awesome, because I'm not doing anything else. I'm not having any other interventions or scans or tests or anything like that. And we actually... Um, set off travelling in our bus around Australia at that time after that happened. Um, And, yeah, and so I didn't have anything else. I didn't see another midwife or doctor or anything for the rest of our pregnancy. Um, And we rented a house for six weeks um, and we, yeah, free birthed our daughter Junie exactly two years, like went into labour to the hour exactly two years after my son um, and so she was born on his second birthday. Um, and it was just like so empowering and just normal and straightforward. and it was just that primal thing of like, I was born to do this, and this is what birth is. And of course, it can be like this. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it can be just you know you surrounded by you know your family at home, um, you know, bringing bring another soul into your little family and yeah it was my husband and I we birthed her in the bath in the house we were renting and then um at 3 30 in the morning and then um we sort of cleaned up and I had a smoothie and then we got into bed with our son and he woke up with 5 30 or 6 in the morning and he had a baby sister in the bed for his birthday (laughs) so it was it was so beautiful yeah so beautiful
0: so that was pretty much where we left off from the last episode yeah So let's just jump straight back into it from where we left off.
1: So, yeah, we continued bus life with two toddlers, which was wild. (laughs) Um, Looking back, I'm like, what were we thinking? Um, Because it was also, you know, the pandemic and COVID at the time. So all these borders were closing and, yeah, um, it was a wild time of our lives. Um, And then in April of 2021, um, we surprisingly found out we were pregnant again um and you know again which I said we're going to have a completely you know wild pregnancy this time we made that decision together and so we you know we did a pregnancy test and then I was like awesome like you know we'll just carry this baby whilst we're traveling around on the road and then we'll find somewhere to birth again um but unfortunately we um miscarried at um 12 weeks um it was quite traumatic um we were out um, we're in WA and we're three hours from the nearest hospital um, and it's, you know, I, I I understood what was happening and I was in acceptance of it and um, we're in a caravan park and I remember like I got up in the, in the night and I was like because I'd been spotting that day and I got up in the, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to miscarry and I guess I'd always... I always thought miscarriage would just be like a heavy bleed, um, so I went to, you know, the caravan parks, showers, and you know I was I was bleeding and I was like, you know, having a little bit of cramping, and then it just was like going on and on and on. I started to feel quite faint, and I was like, I don't, something feels not right. If something feels not right about this. I feel like not safe. Um and so I went back to our bus and I said to my husband, I really think we need to go find um, a doctor or, you know, start driving towards a hospital or something because something doesn't feel right. Um and so yeah, we got in the bus and I was losing a lot, a lot, a lot of blood. Um we had got the kids up and put them in their seats and I was um just on the floor in the back of the bus just like bleeding, bleeding. Mm. Um and we called an ambulance on the way and they started, you know, and racing towards us because there was like an outstation medical centre, um, maybe an hour and a half from where we were. And so they um, sent an the ambulance to kind of meet us on the highway. So my husband it was like, you know, I don't know, three in the morning. So we were driving along and I was like, almost like I was like dry reaching, vomiting, like almost passing out. Yeah, that's um, and so, that yeah, so the ambulance met us and I'd, got taken to this medical centre and, you know, my husband and my kids had to kind of say goodbye and they didn't know what was going on and they said, oh, she'll end up at Broome Hospital, um, so drive towards there. Um, so I was at this medical centre and they tried to stabilise me and, you know, I was kind of going in and out and then they called the flying doctor service and I got airlifted to Broom Hospital um, and, yeah, I mean, we, lo- we lost our baby and it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of blood and it just felt really, really traumatic and it was such a, it was a really strange feeling, um, you know, having gone through, you know, my births where you, I knew every contraction was bringing me closer to meeting my baby um, and then going through knowing that I was kind of giving birth. To death. I know that sounds really, really, um, you know, quite dark. But it was also, it almost felt like an initiation of like, you know, you know, death and birth and everything. It's all such a holistic part of our lives. Mm. Um, And you know, there's so many of us as women that experience um, early birth, and I guess it doesn't get spoken about a lot. And not everyone experiences, you know, that. That deep, like that traumatic of an experience. You know, sometimes it can be like a heavy bleed at home, but sometimes it's not. And I think people don't understand, you know, the, the emotional ramifications of it afterwards and how to support, you know, women or um, friends and family members through it. Um, so I did share quite openly about our experience, um, through my Instagram at the time because I was like, I didn't know you know, that it was like this. And I didn't know how to support friends in the past that had gone through it because I hadn't experienced what it was like and no one had shared with me what it was like and how to support someone through it. So, yeah, that was that was another, like, big healing journey to move through um, and it also made... It just kind of changed what bus life felt like for us because um, yeah. of that experience in our bus and on the road and being so remote and I just felt that need to um, find somewhere to ground um, and also you know it was also at the time it was like June 2021 and like they were closing borders in you know WA Northern Territory, Queensland sort of thing so we um, we were like ready to find somewhere to ground and kind of settle and we had um saved up a bit of money to and we were kind of looking for somewhere to buy and then um we just got first of all we went to Uluru um because I just had felt a really big calling there I'd never been to Uluru and I felt a really big calling there that it was going to help me you know heal through this difficult time um Because, yeah, it was also hard because we were, like, just us as a family, you know, with the two toddlers, you you know, Ben and I were deep in grief. We were trying to explain what had happened to the kids and, like, we had no friends or family around us Um, and, you know, we were having to travel and make it to borders in time. So it was just a lot of stress and Know. and
0: recovery right because obviously you have your emotional traumas that you have to recover from but also the physical side of it right? yeah
1: yeah and it was you know it's such a massive recovery after you know early birth miscarriage because your body goes through all these changes and hormones and your body changes and it's getting ready to like grow a baby and everything and suddenly that baby's just not there anymore but your body's you know, kind of still thinks that it is and then your hormones are all over the place and then you're grieving and, like, it's so much. It's so much to journey through. Yeah.
0: What were sort of the main things that you found helpful in your recovery?
1: Well, rest. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, rested as much as I could. I don't take many pharmaceutical stuff and they use some pretty hectic pharmaceutical pain medication and stuff on me that I wasn't aware of whilst we are in, whilst I was in the hospital. And so I had this massive withdrawal from that and like throbbing migraines and just nausea and everything. Um, And so I was having to rest and kind of recover from that. And it was hard to eat. Um, But, you know, and I guess my husband was still having to take care of the kids and feed them and everything. So I was resting as much as I could. Um, But also like, crying it's so important and and knowing that it was okay for our kids to see us crying and grieving and knowing it was okay for my husband and myself to just sit with each other you know at night after the kids were in bed and just cry and talk about it and not you know not try and not talk about it it was like in the processing of it and like even you know if people I feel like people tiptoe around Um, miscarriage or death or stuff and things like that when really like it is important to talk about it. it is important to ask people are you okay like how are you feeling about it or what do you need um what was it like because I mean just like birth stories like when you talk things through it helps you process them through the, the the talking um so that was really important. And I also um, was super grateful. I had some friends um, put some money together and um, uh, get some like uh, um sessions with a you know trauma healing um, coach that I spoke to about it, and um, you know, journaling and just just letting myself to letting myself grieve. And not pretend like everything was okay was the biggest thing yeah. but if if we had have been closer to friends and family um i th- and if you have a friend or family member that does go through this like go and see them you know ask if they're okay take them meals like treat it like you would if you know you'd lost a family member or you know because you have, you know, you, you're just not functioning right. So, you know, t- yeah, take the meals, you know, offer to watch the kids so that they can go and sit with their partner and grieve about it. Yeah, they're probably the biggest things that I would suggest and and or offer them, you know, a space um, to, or someone to talk to where they can Go and talk and process it if they don't want to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And it's it sounds like such a simple thing, just allowing yourself to grieve, however that looks for you. But because of the way we're conditioned, it's almost like I see so many women just feeling like they have to get on with it. You can't talk about it because... You know, people don't, it's too confronting for people, but I feel like there's so much value in just the simple act of giving yourself permission to cry and process it in your own time, not anyone else's, you know?
1: Yeah, and tears are so healing, Mm. like crying and crying and crying. Like there's just something so healing about tears Mm. And, and letting, you know, take over your whole body and just let, let the tears, you know, rack your body and move all of those stagnant feelings out instead of burying them. Mm.
0: And this is just a personal question from me now, but um, I would love to hear if there was any, I guess, profound wisdom that you drew from that, because it, although it was, you know, a really traumatic and dark experience to go through, it would have changed you as a person, right? So... What was, I guess not, I don't want to use the term silver lining, but was there any profound lesson or wisdom that you drew from that experience that you could share with us?
1: Yeah, it just made me, it made me feel so connected to like all the other women that had been through early birth and miscarriage, like throughout, you know, my ancestors and just throughout history and also that feeling of like birth and Death are just so interlinked, Mm. you know, and that death is so much a part of life and it's not something that we should fear and, yes, it is like a big trauma to journey through but, you know, it, it happens. Death happens and it's okay and we can move through it and, you know, things happen for a reason and, you know, honestly, like that going through our miscarriage called us to where we are right now And the beautiful life that we're living right now and called us to this land where now where our beautiful son, you know, wanted to be conceived and carried and born here. And it Mm -hmm. just felt like it it was just part of our journey. Like, yes, it was a massive hardship, but it was there was so many so much beauty and lesson in it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah.
0: So let's jump back now to you've just arrived at or you've just been to Uluru.
1: Yeah, so um, we we went to Uluru and I just felt a, that just really helped reset um, me and just the energy there is just incredible. And then, yeah, we got called to where we live now and we looked at a house and we just felt like, yes, this is home. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, we pretty quickly we put an offer on our house and we came here and um, I, I was like so, like the experience of the miscarriage was like so deep and traumatic for us that we were kind of having that conversation, like we moved to our house and land that we're on and we're having that conversation of like, you know what, maybe we're happy with just two. You know, like, our, our family feels really beautiful and, you know, we're settled here and we've got a beautiful community gathering around us and like-minded people and, like, you know, we're happy with just two. Like, we don't, like, it was, you know, as sad as it was to lose that baby, you know, it was part of our, you know, journey together as a family and, you know, we, we might go forward and just be happy with um, just us. Yeah, Um, and then literally like two weeks after that conversation we found out we were pregnant and we were just like wow and and it was funny because I was reading this series of books Um, they're called the Ringing Cedars series Anastasia books I don't know if you've heard of them but they're like an older series of books about you know like living with the land and you know about you know the energy of nature and like how to raise conscious children and it spoke in there about like the import like the um importance of like um conceiving carrying and birthing your babies like in, in the same place like and con- with connection to the land um and so I was like and I was like oh that would be so beautiful but yeah we just had the conversation about you know being happy with our two children and and then it was like it almost manifested <laughs> because of my husband was like, what do you mean we're pregnant? And I'm like, my boobs are sore and, like, my body's changing. I, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he was like, whoa, wow, like that's so big. So that was like six months after our miscarriage. Um, and, yeah, and so and then, of course, all the fears came up, like is my body going to carry this pregnancy you know, as as much of the healing work that I've been through, and like you know, my experience with you know, healing my cervix from cervical cancer and in my pregnancy with my daughter, you know, the self doubt does creep in. Like, can I trust my body again? You know, can my body carry this pregnancy? Can I do this? And you know, I'd always want, I'd always believed in, you know, having a completely wild pregnancy and birth, unassisted pregnancy and birth. And I, and I was like, does that feel safe for me, though? And, you know, it was all that questioning of, like, do I feel safe doing that because of, you know, our miscarriage? Can I trust, you know, that everything is going to be okay? And so, again, it was a lot of, you know, that healing work of sitting with myself in the mornings and journaling about what I was feeling and, you know, feeling into what felt right for us and um, doing meditations on around it. And, yeah, and then I just... I surrendered, and I was like, "Yeah, I can trust. I can trust my body to carry." You know, this baby came to us for a reason. They wanted to come through on this land. Um, you know, everything is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so, and and yeah, I'm in mean, that first twelve weeks. You know, there's always the like, oh, you know, is it? Are we going to lose our baby? Or you know, and 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 you know, even to the extent, you know, any time I felt a bit of like wetness in my underwear I was like oh my gosh is that blood you know and it was you know that that fear that comes but I just like would use those those affirmations of like you know I was born to do this my body is healthy my baby is strong we're gonna have a beautiful you know birth and you know just telling myself that over and over again Mm. because our words um and our thoughts create our reality um yeah and so we the only um sort of care that I had during my pregnancy was I went to see a naturopath to us locally and had some blood work done just to check that all my hormone levels were good and that you know my nutrition was exactly what it needed to be um and that was all good and then yeah the pregnancy was just really normal and straightforward and beautiful and it was just, it was so nice to be, you know, just cocooned in this, in know, on our land and in this space that I felt completely safe and grounded in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So take us to the end of your pregnancy. How were you feeling in those last few days leading up to labor?
1: Yeah. So I had, um, my babies like to stay in quite long. Um, so my, my son was about. 41 and a half weeks my daughter was just over 42 weeks and then our, our latest son was just over 42 weeks as well so the last couple of weeks there was like some stop start um contractions um you know there were a couple of days where I'm like oh I think think they might be coming today to my husband and then you know it'd peter off and I'd be like all right, and the thing that I always do at the end of my pregnancies, when I'm like, "Is this baby ever going to come?" <laughs> is I get lost in um, fiction books. And so I was just like, had my Kindle, and I was just like reading a fiction book a day, and just getting completely lost in, you know, other stories and taking my mind off everything outside. Um, and then, yeah, so this one, I was, I was feeling really good and just super pregnant, but you know. I was just pottering around at home. I wasn't doing anything, you know, strenuous. I wasn't stressed or anything like that. Um, and yeah, one morning I just woke up and I had those feel. My um, labors always come on feeling like I'm just about to have a heavy bleed, like that kind of gurgling and unsettledness in my belly and that heaviness in my belly. So I was like, "Oh, this feels like this feels like it's happening." And then. Um, yeah, the contractions started happening and my son, my um, husband took our son to um, a bush play that he goes to and said to him, oh, like if the baby comes today, do you want us to come get you? And he was like, "Yep, yeah, yeah, I want to be there. And um, then my husband took my daughter into town and I was just reading and sitting on my um, medicine, oh, not medicine ball, bouncy exercise ball, um, just sitting on there and like breathing through um the contractions and and there so that was about 8 a.m. in the morning they started. Um and then my husband got home about eleven with my daughter and he's like, so is that happening? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Like they've been pretty consistent. Um but they're not too intense yet. And he's like, well, should I go get, you know, Addy from Bush Play? And I was like, yeah, just get him, just in case. And we had a birth blow up birth pool we had that blown up, ready to fill, and then he was gone for 45 minutes, and in that 45 minutes from, like, it was 11.30 to, like, quarter past 12, it started getting, like, super intense, and I was like, man, they better get home soon. <laughs> um, I was just breathing through it, and then they got home, and I was like, you need to fill up the pool now, and um, the kids were like, whoa, this is so exciting. It was, yeah, it was, like, 12.30. Midday, um, and then we yeah got the pool like a quarter filled up, and I was like right, I'm jumping in there, and I was just breathing through it. The kids were just like checking on me. Um, my daughter was just stroking my hair and stuff. She was so lovely, and yeah, my son was just helping my husband get um, like drinks and stuff for me, and get every get all the towels prepared and all of that sort of thing, uh, and then. My body just – oh, I had the big transition contraction. Um, I, I got up to go to the toilet because I was like, oh, you know, I, I think I need to do a poo, um, how your body just wants to clear everything out when you're mid-birth. Mm. Um, and I got up to go to the toilet and I was just leaning against the toilet wall and I had that really, really long, long, strong, big contraction. And I was like, yeah, this is transition. Um And then got back in the pool and my body just started pushing and, yeah, I was just breathing through it and, you know, my husband and my two kids were just standing around the pool watching and my husband was stroking my back and my daughter was, yeah, playing with my hair and she was on the pool with me for a little bit and just giving me cuddles and stuff. And then I was um, quite, I felt like he was a really big baby Um, because my belly just felt so, so big and tight, like even more so than the other two pregnancies. And so I was kind of like I had that intuition. I was like, you know, just really, really slow down, try and slow down the, you know, um, the birth and him coming out. So I was like just really breathing slowly, like letting him crown a little bit, you know, letting him go back in, letting him crown a little bit more, letting him go back in. I was so focused and in my zone. Um, Like nothing nothing else was around me. You know, you go to that other realm, Mm. the birth realm. Um, And then, yeah, I was feeling him come out a little bit and then in and then out and then I was like, no, he's ready to come out. Like it was almost like I could feel him like ready to shoot out. And I was like, I'm just going to have to surrender and, you know, this baby wants to come out. And so I just, you know, took that big deep breath and just um moaned moaned him out and he literally shot out um into the pool um and and he he was a really short uh, um umbilical cord so I like picked him up but I could almost like only just hold him at my hip kind of because I could feel the cord was quite short and I was like wow this is crazy um so, but anyway, I was like holding him kind of sitting down on my hip and like, yeah, just meeting him for the first time and, you know, the kids were just like in awe that their mum had just like birthed this baby out in front of them into this pool and they were like so excited and um, then we saw he was a boy and, um, yeah, I was just like stroking him. He was crying, crying a little bit and I was like, wow, he's like, so perfect and healthy and so big like he was just so big and chunky and um yeah and I sort of sat there for a little bit and um I was just waiting to birth my placenta so just my husband was bringing me a tea and I was just sitting there and um I, you know trying to get him to breastfeed to help with the um oxytocin and the ut- uterus contracting and everything for the placenta to birth Um, and yeah, and then he got on my boob and it was all very chill. And then, um, I birthed my placenta and it was in pieces. So, um, yeah. And, and then there was a lot of blood in the pool all of a sudden and, um, I was like, okay, so. And I know, you know, from things that I've read and listened to that, you know, sometimes you can have retained placenta if it doesn't come out fully. And I was like, okay. So I was just like monitoring how I was feeling. And I called a um, friend that was a doula. And I was like, you know, should I be concerned? Like, I feel fine. She's like, no, you're fine. Like, I can tell in your voice, you're fine. Like, just listen to your body. You'll know if you feel faint or you need anything. And I was like, Yeah, also, and I kind of looked and I was like, yeah, like the two halves of the placenta are there. There is a lot of blood but, you know, I feel good in myself and I had um, an after-bleed tincture from Blissful Herbs, I think she's called. Yeah, yeah, and so I got my husband to give me a heap of that Um, and then it just, yeah, the bleeding started slowing and I got out of the bath and, you know, I was just sitting with him breastfeeding and we kept him attached to attached to the placenta we had the placenta in a little bowl and yeah we were just meeting him together as a family and yeah i totally felt fine so although you know again if that happened in a medical setting there would have been like you know panic it was just like i knew to just feel into myself whether anything was wrong and i guess going through my whole pregnancy without any intervention and as well like you get so much more in tune or not intervention but, like, monitoring and stuff, you get so much more in tune with, like, your own intuition and you know what's going on in your body. And and, and same with, like, at the end of pregnancy and stuff. Like, people say to you, how do you know they're not breech or how do you know they're going to be okay and, you know, all that. Like, you know your baby moving around and you get to know them and how they move and he always got hiccups. So I always knew where his head was because I could feel where the hiccups were Um, and even if they are breech, you know. We can totally free birth a breech baby too. Um, So, yeah, and so we, we, yeah, just met him together as a family and it was just, you know, it was beautiful to have a, um, a birth in the middle of the day with my family and then, you know, have a nourishing meal together and then, you know, go to bed with him that night and rest and, you know, just I didn't leave our house for four weeks. I was just like fully in the postpartum cocoon. And it was just so beautiful. I hadn't had a postpartum experience like that of just like complete rest, no other, you know, no other people visiting and or anything like that. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing.
0: And did you do anything special with your placenta?
1: Um, so we were going to do the lotus birth mm-hmm. and wait for it to um, like unattach itself but because it was so short, it just got it was like tugging on him a little bit when I was moving him around the bed because it was so close to him. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we um the next day, so we waited like twenty four hours, and the next day we um we burnt it um and just kept the placenta in the room with us and kept changing the herbs and stuff on it because um, yeah, I learned um, during that latest pregnancy about how much the you know the placenta is almost a part of the baby's aura, um, and yeah, the whole whole um, I guess spiritual meaning of that, and like keeping them close mm-hmm. until they till they're ready to separate. Because my last two um, my last two I encapsulated the placenta, and I and I took them over those first month or two, yeah
0: amazing and do you feel that this is your family complete now or
1: yeah like 90 99 or 90 percent sure I go through stages because he's almost one now and like you know they're starting to not and he's just started walking and they're starting to not be like your little baby and they want to be Mm. so much more independent and I'm like oh my gosh can I really like Can this really be our last baby? Can I really not have another one? Because (laughs) I love pregnancy and birth and postpartum, like, so much. I would give birth every month for the rest of my life. Like, I love birth so much. It's, like, the most transformative experience. Um, But also, like, looking after three little ones under five is, I mean, as you know, (laughs) it's it's a lot. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we'll see but I'm 90% sure he'll be our last. Yeah, amazing. So
0: looking back at your entire journey, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening?
1: I guess when I was first pregnant with my first son, there just wasn't as many people sharing about the options of like doing your own like pregnancy care or, you know, the options of like just having a doula or, you know, having a private midwife and a doula or, you know, doing it all yourself or going to, you know, what could happen in a birth center or what can happen in a um in a hospital and the medical system. Like you just I wasn't fully informed. As much of the research as I did, you know, you can only glean so much from books, whereas, you know, you want to hear people's first hand experiences. And I just didn't know anyone that had, you know, free birthed or had wild pregnancy or there wasn't that I couldn't really find many people online sharing about it so that's why I share a lot about it online because I feel like I just want people to different options that you can go for and you go for what feels right for you it's not like you know free birth is the pinnacle or anything like that it's like you get to choose like you have the option to choose the support you want and the people that you know are around you during birth and what you want your birth to look like it doesn't and you know you don't have to do all the things that they tell you that you have to do and all of that sort of thing so yeah connecting with other and i wish i mean this is the dream that i have of starting to but i wish we had you know birth circles in every community where women could go and talk about their births whether they had great experiences or traumatic experiences just to process it but also so people knew you know, what births can be. And, I mean, this is what you do in this podcast, right? Like that's a um, virtual version of it. Yeah. Um, because it's so important for because the only birth stories I heard growing up, you know, were traumatic ones. Like they're the only ones people talk about or the only option was, you know, in the hospital. Um, so, you know, having other people, you know, elder women share in your community that there are other options is is so amazing um and another one number one tip and i talk about this a lot is since then um the midwife rachel reed has written an incredible book um called reclaiming childbirth as a rite of passage and i'm like every per every <laughs> person needs to read that book mm. just to know the history of birth but also like exactly what's happening in the women's body and all the things that, you know, can happen in the medical system and how to navigate it Um, because, you know, some like a lot of women feel safer to go through the medical system, which is awesome because they get the choice to do that, but it's also they need to be informed, like fully informed about the things that will get suggested to them and, you know, the pros and cons of that and just being like fully informed and empowered as a mama. Like I'm like that book, if you're going to read a book, read that book um but also talk to other you know other women about it that have birthed in the way that you want to birth and get you know tips and advice from them yeah
0: amazing advice what a joy it has been to have you back on the show today Luna thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time your stories and your wisdom with us today
1: lovely to chat to you Sky I love what you're doing here
0: that brings us to the end of today's episode you can find luna's previous two birth stories available in the show notes on episode 21 a gentle reminder though that was my first season of podcasting um so my podcasting skills were a little bit amateur to say the least so please be kind Do yourself a favor as well and head over to Luna's Instagram for some insights into her daily rituals, which as we learned today, played a significant role in her journey and self reconnection. I also just wanted to quickly say that the journey of motherhood for so many of us often involves loss and I hold immense respect for those experiences. While it's a heart-wrenching thing to navigate and listen to, I am committed to providing a space for all aspects of a woman's journey. And I am always so deeply grateful for the authenticity and vulnerability that the amazing mothers I connect with bring to this platform. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. If you love this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review or subscribe on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us to reach more women who need it and continue bringing you inspiring stories each week. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We'll be back next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of birth.